This is episode 1E of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, December 13th, 2011. Hi, I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. We're in the same room again. We are indeed. So, but somebody said that they couldn't tell that we weren't in the same room. And somebody else said that it was better quality when we were separate. Well, that we thought was probably going to happen. Yeah. I mentioned that last time. Mm-hmm. So, one thing I wanted to correct briefly from, not it's not really a correction, I probably wasn't narrow enough in my comments about how non-free and Debian is helpful because people pointed out that distributing proprietary software is always bad, which I agree with. Uh, my main thing that I was talking about with non-free helping with licensing was that it allows Debian to put things that are main that, that introduce license problems into non-free. So I was really thinking of that specific scenario, things that had been in main that sort of get relegated to non-free. Uh, and people made the argument back, well, even in that situation, it's better to ban them entirely. And I think that's not right. I think it's better if somebody has licensing problems and you're having trouble, that ability to put them in non-free temporarily, which means they still have some quasi-existence in Debian, although a much lower status, is a way to get them to fix their licensing problems. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the status thing is a powerful tool. Right. That was the point I was making. Yeah. The fact that Debian distributes proprietary software non-free, like Skype, for example, that will known to never be free software, that probably is not so good. And I don't really I don't know. I mean, I think to some extent there, you know, there is a class of people who will never use a, a, a free operating system if they can't have some of their proprietary software, especially at the beginning. Well, and it was obviously the, I'll just say it outright. It was obviously Fedora people. They're mostly Red Hat employees, uh, actually entirely Red Hat employees arguing with me that Fedora is better for freedom because they don't include it at all. And you have to go to third party services. They have various different third party services. You can get Fedora packages that are proprietary software. Um, I, I don't know if that's absolutely correct. You could be, you may be correct in what you're saying that it might be better to have it available. Um, and this is sort of my view with drivers is that, is that the proprietary drivers, if they're not available at all in an easy way to install that people just think their hardware doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think because we don't have free and open, um, answers for everything that we have proprietary software for, I think there are a lot of people who will just think that free and open source software isn't as good because it doesn't have you don't have the ability to use whatever proprietary software they feel they need. And so they'll never even give a free operating system a try. Yeah, so. I, I generally agree with that. My my goal in the last episode was not really to talk about that more general issue of non-free and should you distribute non-free software even in any area at all for your distribution. I was really more focused on that, things that have introduced licensing problems that get pushed into non-free, mm-hmm. uh, which is a much narrower question. So I think the, it would take us a whole episode to talk about that other question, which I didn't mean to talk about what people thought I was talking about last time, and that's the feedback I got. Well, I think because of the just the like the dents that came out after it, were, you know, were excerpts. Yeah. So I think the, it meant that what you had said was taken out of context. No, some of these people actually listened. So I think oh, okay. I mean, Fontana obviously listened, and he was the one giving me the hardest time. Was he? Yeah, of course. No? He always is. 
So, uh, so I, I just wanted to point that out. I think that maybe we should cover in some future episode this issue of, of should a distribution have a non-free area at all? But I don't think we're going to cover that today because we have another topic. Should we? Today. I was going to say, should we mention when we're we're going to see Fontana in the coming future? Well, yes, we should. We should announce uh, that there's a call for papers, a uh, call for participation up. It's the you don't have to write a paper, so it's not a call for papers. Call for participation up uh, that goes until it's the end of December, right? So I don't know. Somewhere I think there. so. Look on the website, and this is for a track at Fosdem. So for those, I actually have never been to Fosdem, which I'm actually kind of embarrassed about, that, that all these years I've never been to the biggest free software conference in Europe. I've never been either. Um, yeah, but, but I've been going to these things a lot longer, I think, and so it looks even worse for me because it's been that long that I've never been. Well, I mean, there are so many conferences. Yeah, but it's Fosdem. Anyway, so... Okay, very nice. So we're both going to be there, and we're uh, co-chairing a track with uh, Tom Marble and Richard Fontana. It's the four of us uh, working on that track, and it is uh, designed basically to be sort of what the topic of this podcast is. Legal and policy issues at a much more level, higher level of detail than you usually get. So the thing that Tom Marble and I were talking about that inspired us to, to put this together initially was this idea that every time you go to a conference and you see talks about any legal or policy questions, there's the what are trademarks, what are copyrights, what are patents uh, talk. And while those talks are valuable for people like an OzCon audience, uh, which is where uh, Karen uh, has often given that, I've given it with her before, Aaron Williamson and other people have given it with Karen before that talk. It's really important for that audience, but for an audience of advanced free software people who are really involved, like you'll find at Fosdem, there's not really content for this level of detail of really talking about, okay, you already understand copyrights and free software licenses, and you've heard about things like GPL compatibility, and let's have a track in more detail about those topics. Yeah, it's really good, because I think, you know, it's it's tough sometimes, like, it's tough to get the right level, because when you have just a legal track, you don't want to lose people who are, you know, who are beginners, but then when people are more experienced, they just don't even stick around, and then you lose all of that advanced conversation that you would have had had you just started with a more complicated, so you know, with with a higher level discussion. And so I think that's why this is I think this is a, an an important step. So I'm excited yeah. to participate in it. The yeah. call for papers is is the the deadline is December 30th. Right. So so I so if you want to give a presentation, uh, we don't have many slots. We only got one day. So it's it's, a, it's what Fosdem calls a dev room. If you're familiar with Fosdem, you'll know what a dev room is it's basically a user run track or a sorry attendee run track whereas uh, other the main track they actually select the speakers in this case they have people who pitch to run a track at, and they have lots of space at Fosdem for lots of these different dev rooms so that's what we'll be doing and I hope people will submit and if you're in Europe it's not too hard to get to in Brussels so hopefully you'll come and mm -hmm. even if you come from the states I noticed the flights are not too expensive the uh, February to Europe is much cheaper from the US than other times of the year to Europe. So I hope folks will come to this. And I hope that comes what comes out of it is a lot of these types of high level legal and policy discussions happen on on secret uh, mailing lists and other types of venues where you can't even find out what the criteria are to join them. And, and of course, I know there's a number of these things out there that, that I'm not able to get access to. And so I hope we can we can open up the discussion such that it's not at these secret venues where where it's impossible to even join. Uh, obviously, you can have the Debian legal problem where there's a lot of debate by people who aren't that well informed. But I, I don't think the answer to Debian legal is everything's private and no one can. I don't find know. Out it's tough. It. It would be interesting to see how it goes because most legal tracks that I've been that I've been at have had some kind of you know 
agreement at the beginning that there would be no, um, you know, no recording, quoting, you know what I mean? I, I think lawyers are particularly cagey. And this is why sometimes when we talk about things on this oddcast, I get really convoluted and cagey because I'm trying to figure out how to say what I'm, you know, what I want to say without overstepping or, um, you know, making some mistake. And I, I don't know. So I, I get nervous every single time that I speak publicly about any legal issue because I worry that I'll be misconstrued or, and when I say that, that actually isn't very nice because what I mean is not, I worry that I'm going to make some kind of small mistake or, or a mistake and, um, and lead people to the wrong conclusion. Saying misconstrued means that maybe someone will hear, maybe I spoke correctly, but somebody else doesn't understand what yeah, I said. Yeah, to so where, where, the, where the error is. <laughs> but I, I think, I also think that we don't want participation primarily from, from, or not necessarily from lawyers. I think that there are a lot of people involved in free software who have a lot of interest in this issue and have a, a, a lot of desire to talk. And uh, Tom Marble is a great example. Who's, who's co-playing the chair, uh, or co-chairing this session with us. He's, he's a developer. He's primarily been involved in, uh, in, in free software Java implementations uh, over his career. And he's just interested in these policies, a listener to this podcast and wanted to do this because he wants a higher level discussion because he already knows what copyrights and patents and trademarks are. And, mm-hmm. and, and he wants to go to talks where he can actually learn something new. And you think about how we have it for developers, right? But there's, you don't go, you don't go to a free software conference and learn, you know, how do, how do you, how do you submit a patch to a free software conference, a free software project, right? I mean, there, I have seen those talks. How you submit a patch, but it's not like every talk is one of those yeah, at a free software true. conference. So why are all our policy and legal talks about how do you get involved in I mean, I give that talk of how do you join a fiscal sponsor and get a nonprofit organization going, right? But not I give that at conference a lot of conferences, but I don't think every talk about nonprofit organizations should be about that. Or nonprofit organizations for free software should be about how do how do I get involved with one? I think so. And then the other thing is that legal issues are kind of an inherent part of free and open source software generally. So if you get really interested or passionate about free and open source software, you are going to find yourself immersed in legal issues. So it's the kind of thing that I think, you know, I think developers are are really aware of much more so than in so many other fields. And, you know, I, I agree. I think that non-lawyer viewpoints on legal issues are quite valuable. And, you know, people really are knowledgeable. Um, but, any legal discussion, I think, personally, is enhanced by having lawyers who are practicing in the field. And so I'm hoping that we get some of those as well, especially from different places mm-hmm. um, where we can have different jurisdictions represented. Because I think that some of the more complicated issues arise where, you know, when you have like the interpretation of the licenses in different places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope, I hope we do engage lawyers. I, I mean, I know they're obsessed with their secret meetings that they have, but hopefully they can. They can come out and actually have a meeting with developers instead of the the, the hidden cabals that are, that happen around the world every year. Well, lawyers naturally sort of you know want to want to talk behind closed doors. I guess that's what I was saying before. I don't think I think that's actually a natural impulse when you can be on the hook for. Well, the I mean that these are, these are these are things that are both lawyers and policy people. They just yeah. select who they let to be involved because they don't. For example. 
example, I, I mean, I, I'm being cagey about it when I shouldn't You're be. You're not being cagey at all. <laughs> well, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying why I'm not allowed. I'm not. I'm generally not permitted because because I do GPL enforcement. They want it, that most of what these discussions are about. How do we deal with the fact that Bradley does GPL enforcement? Right. Well, actually, I, mean, I don't think that's so, true. That most I've, of the I've, discussions. I've heard. I've heard back channel that there's that. a lot of a lot of discussions about about that issue in some of these forums. There have been some so. discussions in the forums that I'm. Particip yeah. a participant in but it's not been the majority yeah. by any stretch mm. yeah. so so uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I anyway I'm excited about it I think mm. it'll be a good conversation I, I think having something that is designated to be an advanced discussion is really important and it should be fun yeah so, so, uh, so submit your submit your talk um, come come join the session um, I think probably our regular listeners are, are pretty well informed yeah, that's true. I think there's probably listeners out there who could give a good talk on some of these things. Mm. So I hope they will submit. And uh, and there's actually been a, a a debate that some of our listeners might have been following this last uh, two weeks. Um, and, and it started with one of these consider harmful posts. The thing, the thing that we're not supposed to do anymore. Consider harmful is considered harmful, you know? Oh, we're not supposed to say, I, you know, I, you were yeah. talking about that the other day, and I, I sort of, I've seen some stuff about why you shouldn't say considered harmful. Yeah. But. There's a, there's a, there's it's an just essay awkward. called considered harmful is considered harmful. It's just awkward wording, but. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it comes back from, from Dykes' go to consider harmful and so forth. Right. But, well, uh, anyway, so, you're so, talking about the <laughs> Batchy Software Foundation considered harmful. Yeah. Post. Yes, I am. And it started there and it, it was responded to by a number of different blog posts. There's a, there's a complicated and, and detailed and many pronged thread on the Floss Foundations list, uh, which is a, which I should after I'm saying closed list. Of, so Floss Foundations is an invite only list, but it's very easy to get an invite. Um, it's mainly to keep spammers and, uh, and, and, and journalists who will republish, uh, emails wholesale into their blogs mm -hmm. uh, off of the list. But if you wanted to be on Floss Foundations because you're interested in nonprofits, you could email, uh, email me and I can, I can help you get on. Uh, but anyway, so there's been a long thread on that list and there's been many different blog posts and comments about it. Um, including some people saying that, that you don't need a nonprofit at all, which is when, when finally people were starting to say that is that's when I actually uh, put a blog post with officially with my conservancy hat on on conservancy's website about it, because obviously uh, Solver Freedom Conservancy believes that nonprofits do have value and, and are useful. Um, so uh, so I, I, I think the, the debate has actually gotten a number of different confusions about it, I think. Because because initially the discussion was about the issue of Apache Software Foundation's particular tweak on being a fiscal sponsor, which is that they have a number of technological and developer centric requirements that you have to meet during their incubator period. Yeah, it actually is quite a specific post, which I think is actually um, strangely is is very specific to the Apache Software Foundation way of of running its fiscal sponsorship organization, which is distinct from other fiscal sponsor organizations. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And I, it's interesting because I had a, I had a, a conference call, it's been about a year now, uh, with somebody who was involved in the Apache Software Foundation. They were asking what, uh, Karen, you're on this call as well. They were asking what, what things, so what, what was the conservancy infrastructure that the project gets access to and all this stuff? Because they were thinking in the Apache mindset that the primary reason folks tend to join Apache is to get access to the infrastructure and hosting and other sorts of things, which conservancy offers none of that actually. Uh, and so that was this big discussion of how great GitHub was 
and how uh, Apache Software Foundation projects couldn't be on GitHub because they can't even use Git. Uh, although uh, uh, there are some uh, Apache projects being allowed to experiment with Git, as it's been said, uh, SVN is the required uh, repository management system if you're if you're in the Apache Software Foundation. So, but that's more about the technology choices, and that's what Apache has rules about uh, where other nonprofits don't. So I actually meant to, before we record it, look at the Apache website to see what the requirements were to see if, if that were listed. I think that's just a matter, I, I it thought was, it was just more I of a matter of infrastructure more I did than it was check, Well, I did check right before the Summer of Code to make Mentor Summit to make sure I had it right, and it was still there as of the middle of October. Now, unless they took it down because of this big brouhaha, oh, it would still oh, be I there. So, okay. yeah, so it was still a required uh, thing. and, and um, Well, it wasn't until, you know, it's funny because I, I used to do legal work for the Apache Software Foundation when I was at SFLC. Um, so I've, I've sort of, I'm, I'm always wary of talking about the conversations I had because I never know. Yeah. This is another thing, right? This is all connected to the well, same that, idea yeah, of only talking behind closed that's doors. Be, that's because you're um, somebody's lawyer. That's different. If yeah. You're somebody's lawyer. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, um, fairly recently that Subversion was a member of the Apache Software Foundation. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think Subversion was still the preferred, uh, system. That was the, it's the yeah. only one that's a member of. Apache Foundation, that's true, but it was still the preferred system. Uh, and, and I pointed out in my, uh, my conservancy blog post, which I was saying on behalf of conservancy, that, that I personally grit my teeth when I know that a uh, conservancy member project's using GitHub, primarily because GitHub is proprietary software. Uh, but conservancy is, has no position on the issue of what infrastructure you use. So we accept project. Many of conservancy's projects are on GitHub or Bitbucket or other proprietary hosting sites. And I think that's dangerous. And, and I advise projects against it and I advise them why having been through the SourceForge debacle myself, which most people don't even remember. But first of all, for our younger listeners, mm-hmm. I have to tell you that there was a time when people w- thought SourceForge was cool. I know you go to SourceForge now, you're like, think a project is stupid for choosing SourceForge, because that's the thing. Do people think? I think so. People are like, do they know what they're doing? Why do they pick SourceForge? That's the common reaction these days. Um, But there was a time when SourceForge was the, the best hosting site, and it was free software. And it went proprietary, and they actually went around and tried to browbeat developers who had contributed to the SourceForge code base to get them to assign their copyright. And when some copyright holders refused to assign to them, knowing that they were going to proprietarize the GPL components, uh, they decided to uh, to, for- to basically fork SourceForge, and SourceForge chose to write those copyright holders out so they could proprietarize SourceForge. Right. Um, I used to play poker with the sales executive for SourceForge. Oh, really? Who, who told me that uh, Savannah.canoe.org had, quote, ripped off, unquote, SourceForge. Nice. Yeah. That, so that's the mindset that came into being mm-hmm. at SourceForge. So, so these kind of sites can change their their attitudes towards the free software. This guy had never heard of free software or open source at all. He was selling a prize software product from his mm-hmm. point of view. So those kinds of companies can change their mindset. So I think it's dangerous to be using proprietary hosting, which has been my point on sort of this technological infrastructure side. So I have this two-sided point that I'm making. One is... Nonprofits maybe shouldn't make any judgments about what technology their member projects use uh, if they're a fiscal. Well, sponsor. I think many do in the same way that you're yeah. discussing now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a ju- I guess I make judgments, but not requirements. So. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I think sometimes, sometimes, I'm trying to think if we, if Conservancy does make any re- requirements in this way. 
Um, but I think a lot of organizations do. Well, the, I, here's here's actually what, but, what conserv- on, here's what conservancy on, might do. Here's here's an example. So if we, grounds. Right. If we had a project apply that didn't use any revision control system, we would probably deny them thinking they don't really know much about developing free software. Because we'd say, wait a second, if you're not if you're not using a revision control system uh, now in in 2011, something must be wrong. Yeah. With your project. <laughs> right, but that's right. That's an unlikely. Uh, we actually had a project. I, oh, a, really? A project applied that <gasps> didn't have their code in any revision control system. Wow. And we did deny them membership. That surprises me. Yeah. And we, we told them to be applied. We, we gave them some advice. Someone would know enough to, you know, or would be in the situation where they would want to apply to Conservancy. I don't know. Fascinating. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they found out about us. I never actually asked, so. Interesting. They, they applied anyway. Well, so that's um, one piece of the of the issue, and the other is that somebody I forget who somebody made a comment. I think someone made a comment on the maybe it was on like Reddit or something that the the worst part of that the 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 part that they objected to about this this article was the headline um, because the headline was a little misleading because. See, it's a considered harmful thing. You're not supposed to consider yeah. harmful is considered harmful. There you go. Right, right. Which well, is actually because, what that point because, was. Yeah, because this was just one small point. This was basically saying that because of, or not small, but okay, but because of this point about Git that the, you know, that we should throw out the entire Apache Software Foundation. And that was largely what the, the headline was saying, but that's not actually what the, the article you know, the article really just discussed this one point in depth. Well, then somebody jumped off from that and said, basically, nobody needs a foundation at all. And that's, of course, that's when I started mm-hmm. to chime in because I was like, if people are saying they don't need a foundation at all, that's... If that's, that were true, to... we would have a lot less to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's correct. And I think that's sort of where the conversation forked uh, on the Floss Foundations list. It forked into this uh, dislike of, do people, do nonprofits dislike for-profits and do people dislike GitHub because it's a for-profit company? And 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 Brian Bettledorf uh, chimed in saying basically one of the reasons they the Apache started to focus on infrastructure was the SourceForge situation that right. they, they wanted to make sure that there was a neutral place for for that. He he, he wrote this big long piece about how when he was at Collabnet, uh, which he helped start. They had proprietary tools that he, as with his Apache hat on, would not let Apache use because he didn't want them locked into anybody, even his own company, and all these sorts of things. So, so that was a pretty good point that he made. That that that, that the reason Apache, when you look historically, why Apache Software Foundation got into doing infrastructure was to make sure that there was infrastructure that wasn't controlled right. by a company. Which I kind of I see that point because mm-hmm. I'm I'm troubled as I pointed out by. Gatorius, I'm mean, sorry, GitHub being controlled. It's why I prefer Gatorius, despite mm-hmm. the fact that Gatorius is run by a company. At least you can run your own instance of it. Although I've heard it's hard to install, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's that's why I take a position on that issue. And so I see where Brian's coming from as far as the motivations of why the Apache right. Software Foundation put that together and and require that now because they're basically requiring and saying we want you to be a healthy project, which means not being on somebody's else's hosting site that's in control of you. Right. Which I agree with them about GitHub because I think GitHub has a certain amount of control over projects hosted on GitHub. Right. But but right. But that wasn't the the only point. Right. That's not that wasn't the articulated. Well, initially that's what it was about, I think, and then it sort of morphed into this. Foundations generally are not useful, which I disagree with too. Well, I actually thought that there was a. I thought that some of the things I read said that there was a resistance by. 
the core Apache leadership to Git generally, not well, just GitHub. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's true. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, which I found hard to believe. You know, generally in terms of drawing such a hard line in the sand about that, but. But there was well, that there was aspect the story to the discussion about, about, too. about them them forcing the OO.0 stuff into SVN out of Git and all that. Right. So that's probably where that came from. And right. I don't know what that those politics are are beyond the scope of this particular show. Uh, but I think there was some other political things going on there. That, yeah, that, and then uh, there was some name slinging, but we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, that's true. And and so. I think I think the important things about what nonprofits can do, and actually the other part of this discussion that came out was the questions of should nonprofits be involved in the licensing and and copyright um, decisions and other types of legal mm-hmm. issues related to their projects. Uh, and so that was a whole big discussion of of some some nonprofits are considered to be too heavyweight on that question, and well, others are not. Like the FSF, for right. example. Well, this is where you know, I mean, you and I have had similar, given similar talks at conferences on this point, mm-hmm. where we say that one of the nice things about the different organizations we have in the free software world are, you know, is that we have this range of organizations, and some of some of which form uh, draw political lines, and some don't, and and that's really valuable. So you can affiliate affiliate yourself with whatever organization best represents what you do, uh, what you what you do or don't, you know, believe in in a principled way, or if you don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I think that that's one of the things that um, I think, you know, is interesting about the Apache Software Foundation. Uh, that that funnily enough, that you know, Apache and FSF, ASF and FSF, in some ways, are kind of similar in that regard, even though they represent different sides of the the spectrum. Yeah, well, I certainly certainly it's true that for Apache Software Foundation membership, you have to relicense your whole mm-hmm. project under the Apache license somehow or another. Uh, and yep. with FSF, the funny thing with FSF, people get this wrong a lot, is that it's not required to assign copyright to FSF, but. Well, actually, you just conflated to, two yeah, issues. You were yeah. talking about licensing under Apache. Right. The Apache license. Well, and, then, and then you said you jumped to well, I was I was the comparing the two assignments. The, and I just want to yes, clarify. The reason, okay, that, yeah. The reason I did that is because if you want to compare draconian, so 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 this is really about draconian rules to join a nonprofit. I mean, that's really what it's about. So some people might say having to switch to Apache license is a draconian rule. Did you have to be wholly licensed under the Apache uh, license 2.0? And the draconian rule on the other side, which is a different issue. But it's it, the only thing that's similar about it is it's draconian is this question of if you join the if you become a GNU project it's assigned to FSF because I'll point out that FSF is actually very liberal on license choice because it only has to be a free software GPL compatible license mm-hmm. to join the FSF which means you can have a GNU project that's under the Apache software license for example right. but the one draconian rule people point to a lot with FSF is the copyright assignment policy which is not mandatory what's mandatory and, and let me be clear about what I mean by mandatory once you assign copyright to FSF then all copyrights have to be assigned to FSF that's the issue so if you have an FSF assigned project you have to assign all the copyrights going forward to FSF whereas if you want to become a GNU project you can become a GNU project and say I'm opting out of this assignment this wasn't always the case no, it was always the case. Oh, I thought always it. the case. Always the case. Going basically, even you're confused. See, even everyone's confused. confused on this I thought issue. that it wasn't the case. To be a GNU project, the key draconian thing that's always true for GNU projects is your project can never say open source. It can never refer to any proprietary software. Well, and any time is- it talks about the operating system, it must say GNU slash right. Linux. Right, right, right. And this is why I was Those saying that, that, that in a way, there's you yeah. know there are require- political requirements at, at both organizations. Yeah, and that's true. And yeah. I think that's true of FSF as well. Uh, but the thing about 
about the copyright assignment is that, that it has a certain amount of value. And a lot of people join the GNU project in part. They agree to these other draconian things, would be, would be draconian things. I don't think they're draconian because I agree with them, but whatever. Uh, they, well, I just think that whoever is deciding what they are and what they should be doesn't think of them as draconian. So I, I agree. think it's yeah. kind of weird to use that word to describe this yeah. stuff. I was going to say, you know, uh, requirements. Yeah. Potentially politically driven requirements. So does Conservancy have any draconian requirements? Does Gnome have any draconian requirements? <laughs> That's interesting. I'll have to think about that. Well, Gnome does require all its uh, all libraries to be LGPL'd. Mm-hmm. It won't take a library that's GPL'd. Yeah, but I'm wondering about... Um, Which, uh, for my view, is draconian. I'm worried Because <laughs> you should accept some GPL'd libraries. I'm wondering about the... Um, I'm wondering about the foundation. Like, if the foundation has any requirements that are yeah, that's comparable. true. That's true because it's the project versus the foundation. That's mm-hmm. a GNOME project rule, which is administered in some sense by the foundation, right? Yeah, the lines are blurry between the foundation and the project. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in there. Well, that's true with SF and GNU as well. Yeah, I think that's probably true of all free software projects and their organizations. Well, not I think for the fiscal sponsors. So when you look at SPI or uh, or Apache or Conservancy. Well, ah, see, I think you're wrong. I mean, I I think that for SPI in particular, there's the SPI has affiliations. So projects that are under the umbrella, there, it's a completely different situation than say Conservancy. You can't lump them all in together. That's true, but I think that it's not, the lines aren't fuzzy, really. SPI says very clearly, you're just affiliating with us, we're just keeping a, a donor oh, account. Oh, for I you. see, yeah, that's right? true. The rules are very clear, and there's no blurry lines between what the, what is the project and what that's is. That's true. And conservancy, same thing's true. There's no blurry lines between what is the project. We signed this really complicated, well, the, the detailed fiscal sponsorship true. agreement. It's not complicated. Well, okay. It's, it's not even that detailed. Most developers would see it as complicated. I don't detailed. think so. It, Karen, we send out a, which you wrote the original version of that I've modified since then, a eight screenful explanation of the physical sponsorship. The agreement. explanation is basically the same length as the agreement. No, that's not true. It, it, it because each section that is of, of any merit is has a. So a you're full acting discussion. like a lawyer. The, the, for lawyers, these kinds of things aren't complicated. I think for developers, they see them as complicated. I don't know. I think you. There, there are programs that you would look at that you would not see as complicated. That developers would not see as complicated that a non-developer might see. So it's the same thing. You you know this kind of stuff so well that it's not complicated to you. I I think that all right. I don't want to have this. This this okay. is not a point. This is not a fruitful argument. So. Okay, but the point is that, that we we have all these rules to find out for conserv defined out for conservancy about what it means to be a, be in conservancy and who's has what responsibilities and what well, responsibilities belong to the project. Okay, but okay, so okay, well, let's use so, conservancy as a as an example, right? You know, there is a separation in some ways. While while the project is a part of conservancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what a project does is not necessarily speaking on behalf of conservancy. And um, I think there could be people who are involved in the project who are not necessarily involved in the project leadership. Mm-hmm. And true. so there could be separations between what projects do and what the, um, you know, what the, the conservancy component of that is. Yeah, well, that's. Okay. I haven't actually thought about this before this conversation, so I'm not that's really. Probably tr- it's probably true with Apache as well, I think. Even though Apache projects make a very tight, close affiliation with the mm-hmm. Apache Software Foundation, so I, I, I think, 
I think that the, the the thing that troubled me most about this discussion is it conflated a lot of different issues. It conflated the yeah, issue well, we're of, conflating a lot of issues too. Well, I completely we, we, I agree with you. It's hard all. to talk about this post because or this article and the subsequent conversation because there were so many issues that were brought up see, by I, it. Yeah, I see I see issues of of what infrastructure you choose, mm-hmm. whether uh, so that's that's a, that's a question projects have completely orthogonal mm-hmm. to nonprofit affiliation or membership. Then there's the question of, do you need a nonprofit affiliation or membership? Then there's the question of, should the nonprofit having affiliated and or become a member of it dictate to you anything with regard to technological choices? And sub question to that, if those technological choices involve free versus non-free software, is that an issue? Like, mm-hmm. to, yeah. and, to, and to give a specific example here, I talked about how I grip my teeth with conservancy, but as I said on the Floss Foundations list, when I put my FSF hat on, I'm like, well, you know, GNU projects can use proprietary infrastructure for their project. That's a rule um, that's important for because the FSF is a political affiliation. So there's that sub-question, which is different, right? Because Apache Apache has that rule in both ways, which is that they, there has to be Apache infrastructure and it has to be free software, Apache licensed infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, presumably. And then what's interesting about Apache is that Apache doesn't accept any directed donations, which is part of... That didn't even come up. Which is part of the this fundamental difference in the way that ASF... Is is organized and run, which Compared I think is so SPI interesting. And conservancy and mm-hmm. so forth. But that that issue you're bringing up now, that wasn't even on my no, list I, of questions. I know, that didn't I even know. come up. I, in this I haven't I hadn't seen it anywhere, but I was yeah. waiting for it to come up. I think it's something that a lot of people don't focus on, but it's part and parcel of this idea that everything you know should be much mm-hmm. more integrated with the um, you know with the foundation. Mm-hmm. And that's but and but then there's also two questions that did come up, two additional questions, which is the question of should uh, should nonprofits and to what extent should they have control over various different legal things like licensing choices and and how your copyrights are provenanced and <laughs> whether you copyright a sign and all those sorts of questions. And then finally, this there was a finally the, the end of the thread that I was on about this. It came up of the question of how much should nonprofits rely on for profit services. Yeah. Which brought us off on the tangent of nonprofits buying commercial airline tickets, you know. So, so there was this whole right. separate set of issues, a whole laundry list of issues that, that I think were, were conflated in, in the original blog post somewhat and even worse in the responses to it because people had these knee jerk responses of, Oh no, foundations are useful and here's what they're useful for. And then the debate became about, well, yeah. are those things And also Apache's great. You know, like I, I think a lot of people have had a really, po- you know, sort of like, how can you say that the Apache software foundation in particular is not so useful anymore so like there's right you know there's there's there there's that whole spectrum of reaction plus then all the other people who are running other organizations say no foundations are really important yeah and then there was the debate of that get people and then there was this whole point about get people not being good advocates which i really disagreed with too that came up too that well people get people get people try to shove get down your throat which i don't think is true because the response to Apache tries to shove SVN and other technologies right, down right. your throat is answer. Well, the get get people try to shove get down your throat like it solves every problem, which I've never experienced. And I'm working closely on a daily basis with the get, mm-hmm. not daily, but on a weekly basis. I'm in communication mm-hmm. with the main get developers and they've never had that kind of attitude. As I said on the mailing list that when get joined, Mercurial and Darks were already members of Conservancy. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out to them, mostly joking, saying, well, you know that your two main competing systems are already members. Do you want to be in the same org as them? And they actually had come based on recommendations from talking to Mercurial and Darks people. So 
there's already cross pollination at least among the DVCSs. I don't know how much well, SVM people talk to get people or I mean, material people or whatever. Yeah, I mean this is something that's really good about free and open source software generally. Like in our world, we have a lot of cross pollination. Well, we do and we don't, right? There's 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 people getting on mailing lists saying that the the people from this project are jerks or well, worse words, right? Right. So so it's it's actually polarized. We do right? have terrible manners. Generally. Either we all get along <laughs> in some cases, we're all cross pollinating, as you say, or there's this 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 um, tribalism, as as some people have called it, or whatever you want to call it, this sense of of the, I'm in I'm in this community and I hate your community just because it's not mine. I I program in Perl, not Python. I program in Ruby which is effing awesome, therefore it's better than everything else. I mean, right, the, the, there are these people in every community, which is not to say that I think all Ruby people are like that, because I know Ruby people who are not like that, but that's a perception of the worst of that community, is this attitude that Ruby's better than everything else, and that, that was a perception of Perl people in the past, back when Perl was huge, and that was a perception of Git people, apparently, right. in the SVN world, right? So I, I think that that is, that is a whole other problem that we have as a community, that now has been conflated with the nonprofit issue, conflated with the technology choice issue, right. conflated with the should we rely on for profits for our services issue. It's really bad. Yeah, and we we dispensed of all of these issues quite clearly in merely how many minutes? <laughs> Just well, I, I, I think I think I think the the thing that nobody was saying in this debate is is trying to discern that these are all separate issues that we're raising that that have interaction points, and nobody sat down to write the blog post that said these are all the separate issues that we're raising. That these are how they interact. I didn't even try to write that because it was it was so time consuming. Yeah, and the argument was sort of by the time I got time to think all that through the argument at least on the mailing list i was on had petered out so i was like well why am i going to raise it this again yeah. and raise all this again as, as a whole bunch of separate issues uh, i i don't know I, I i get really troubled when this happens uh it happens a lot in free software maybe it happens in other places too where these these arguments start and all these issues get conflated and i mean i think i guess it happens in our con in the u.s congress as well i mean that's the the the, the, lots of different issues got conflated. You know, I mean, I think it's natural to have issues. these issues be conflated. And I think that that's one of the things that demonstrates why we need such a healthy ecosystem of free software, fiscal sponsors and umbrella organizations. We need, we need these, this like healthy ecosystem of different organizations with different priorities and, and in a way, you know, different calls on principled issues sometimes because. But how, how does it, I don't, I don't see how it helps avoid the conflation stuff. Well, basically, the reason why these things are conflated is because a single organization stands for so much. Hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it results in, in decisions made about a, a number of complicated things that, uh, you know, help gather like-minded people. Ah, I, I think I see what you're saying, because this is a classic problem with FSF and the confusion of uh, the, one of my favorite topics, GPL enforcement, because mm -hmm. there are still a lot of people out there who think the FSF is the only entity that can enforce the mm -hmm. GPL because mm -hmm. the FSF is the author of GPL and also happens to be holders of copyrights on some software and also happens to enforce the license, which happens to be GPL on those copyrights. Uh, and so, and so that's an example where organizations are doing so much in the space that it's easy to conflate all these different things. But they stand for one thing in the end, right? Or they get conflated. They're all represented by a single organization. And that it's not necessarily a bad thing that all these complicated issues come together in single decision making bodies, provided that we have the complement of different organizations that make mm -hmm. the different decisions that represent the different viewpoints and can adequately exist in, 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 you know, do everything that we need everybody to do. 
Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's still difficult because they because I mean we were just talking before we recorded the podcast that people walk away. We were talking about things that people have heard me say about conservancy that get down to these bullet points that aren't exactly accurate, and and that's happened. I've seen that happen to FSF for years. Right? Yeah. When I used to be a generally, I'm not I'm, not, I'm, I'm on the board of directors now of FSF, um, but uh, I, I'm not normally speaking on behalf of FSF. But back when I used to speak on a daily basis on behalf of FSF, there was constant confusion about the details and 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 going through and getting the details right i mean that's something i've done right because i'm not from the apache world very much i don't do a lot of stuff with apache projects and i've made a substantial effort to try to make sure i understand what the policy positions of the apache software foundation are over the last five or six years and i think that it's because i don't really care about anything else except for free software which is a problem <laughs> but because of that i spend all this time making sure i understand every nit nat and lice issue related to free software, but most people don't have that kind of time commitment to, to understand all these things. And so there's just confusion. But I think because we're dealing Mask with complicated, um, complicated um, issues, it's, it's going to be hard for us to be crystal clear about everything all of the time. I mean, I think we should explain things as well as we can, and each organization that makes decisions should be able to stand behind those decisions and explain why. And projects that are choosing a home should understand what the different organizations stand for, and that's very difficult to do. But the, I mean, the complement of issues is 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 complicated. I think everybody needs to spend all their time learning all this stuff. <laughs> then we wouldn't have any problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we did talk about making sort of like a guide to free software um, fiscal sponsors or umbrella organizations at one time or another, um, and it I, it just never happened. Well, I think I think this is back to tie this into our, our track at Vosdom. That the the there's these are the, what's actually coming up here are actually advanced topics because the the simple to- right. the simple topic on this issue is. Oh, you can join a nonprofit. And oh, you can do work uh, for your free software project under a nonprofit entity. Oh, and you can collect donations, and yeah. uh, you can you have lots to choose from, and they have little different tweaks, right? That's the one hundred and one introductory level of of free software nonprofits, right? But what is being raised by this blog post and then the ones that followed it are these more advanced topics, right? That I think uh, I think people who don't listen to our podcast are, are not going to want to dig in on depth. I mean, you've got the Floss Foundations list, you've got people listening to our podcast, but most people don't want to sit there and discuss governance structures and and the breadth of what nonprofits should be involved in and what they should take positions mm-hmm. on. It's it's really complicated. It is. That's and, why and, we're here. Yeah, but I think I think the level of interest. I mean, how yeah, many people no, made, it right, this, right. made it this far into the podcast and didn't just decide? Well, but then there are different time. windows over time, right? Like there, are, you know, when different issues arise, there's an opportunity to clarify them with a deeper discussion that is specifically limited to that issue. Yeah, I just I think that that I've spent basically all my adult life studying free software and making sure I understood all the free software policy issues that were. And there are areas that I'm not too familiar with. Right. And if that's true, and that I've spent my whole adult life working on that, then how, what hope does somebody have as just a casual free software user to, to understand? But I don't think that casual free software users necessarily need to delve into every every one of these issues in depth. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I mean. That's what we were talking about before. It's you have to delve into some of these issues when you, um, you know, if you have a project and you're deciding where its home should be. 
but this is I this comes back to the same point I was making before. But at the end of the day, like there are, you know, you you find like-minded people and you decide that they make the choices that you can live with. And then you don't, you know, I mean, and that's that's one of the areas that I think the Apache Software Foundation fills, which is that, you know, they make decisions you know, they're they're a trusted a trusted body, a trusted organization that makes decisions in a way that folks that join it think are, you know, are right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of the trappings of that that make people attracted to that organization in the same way that the FSF has different trappings that you know different ways about it that make people and then you don't have to understand every single issue. You right. choose you you choose someone who you decide is trusted. Yeah. Well the last thing I want to say on this is is what you know, I, I don't. I I prefer Git or Mercurial for software development when I do it now. Uh, I know people prefer Mercurial much more than Git, whatever. But I, why? I don't understand why people want to give a hard time to Apache for this. That's what I don't understand. If they, if people in Apache projects like using SVN and mm -hmm. they're comfortable with mm -hmm. it, why? Why it's free software. And SVN itself is free software. So what, why are we so mad at, like, I don't understand why people are, why, why somebody, I, I, I'm going to pick on this guy. Uh, I don't even know his name. Um, I guess you could page up and I can see his name, but I'm going to pick on him. Like, why would you, yeah, why, why would he say considered harmful, right? What is harmful about Apache Software Foundation on this issue? Right. What, what is hard? And, and of course, I've, I've said what I've said on previous podcasts about the openoffice.org stuff and the politics that were played there. That I, I might make an argument for harmful. What's harmful about telling people maybe you should think about using SVN? And if you don't want to use SVN, you really can't affiliate with Apache. Even if that's true, which is not, it's not 100% clear that's Apache's hard and fast position. But even if it were Apache's hard and fast position, who cares? Yeah, I think that that's the biggest criticism of Mikhail, um, Mikhail Rogers is that mm. he mm. is the, is, was the headline. But it's, it's not, <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, is it's not just the headline. His whole point is, is that Apache's in the way because they don't use GitHub. But who are in their way of? Right. Is it an existing project? It wasn't clear to me when I read his post. Is he talking about an existing project that's like, oh, I wish we could use Git, but here we are stuck in Apache. I don't hear that from any Apache project currently. Right. And, right. and Noreen said that at, at Summer Code Mentor Summit that, that there, she said, quote, some of our projects are experimenting with Git, unquote. So obviously somebody in the Apache Software Nation said, I want to try Git and it's happening. So, Right. So, wh why why be so hard on them? I, I, there's lots of reasons to be hard on the Apache Software Foundation, and none of the things that have been said in this debate <laughs> have been the reasons I want to be. I want to give them a hard time. Mm -hmm. the, the, none of these things I think are problematic. Uh, there are things that they've done that are problematic. Go, uh, you know, cross reference the podcast you were away for, where Dan and I complained about the OpenOffice.org right. Apache thing. Right. That that is a reason to be upset at the Apache Software Foundation. Some part of me wonders if this is transference. Right, that they're transferring their anger about the OpenOffice.org debacle to this. I don't no? think so. I think this is. I, I think this issue stands alone and sparked this debate. Okay, but uh, but, but maybe, why? That's so silly. Yeah. Uh, just because they don't use the revision control system, you like? Because Lena said people are morons if they use SVN. Like we should listen to Linus on this. I mean, that's. I mean, Linus is a talented developer and a good project leader. But well, if I listened to Linus, I would have quit the GNOME Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You would have went back to GNOME too. That's right. <laughs> you guys would have would have abandoned GNOME three, and then just you, you, your first act as GNOME Foundation executive director would have been okay. Drop all this GNOME three code, and let's let's get back on the GNOME two Funny. line. So, yeah. Anyway, I think. Uh, I think we've uh, 
Well, I was going to say we've exhausted the discussion, but we haven't. We just, you know, we sort of skimmed well, over the. I, I mean, I hope there's that little issues. piece in there where I list out the questions, and I, when I re-listen, I'll, I will try. Although I can't guarantee this, when I listen, to it, I'll try to to list out those list of issues that we Karen and I were listing off that were all the different issues that were conflated, and at least make a bullet list of them in the show notes so people can That's see a good all idea. The different things. Um, and those people who were complaining, we have too many interviews. I guess this is their show. I didn't hear the complaint, but... Uh, oh, people were saying, oh, I, I oh, want to just hear interviews. Karen and Bradley just talk. Oh, that's so funny, because when we were recording just our us for so long, people wanted more interviews. Yeah, they always want what you don't have. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Freeze and Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of HalfBakedMedia.com. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. Freeze and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. Please send any feedback to Ogcast, O-G-G-C-A-S-T, at F-A-I-F dot U-S, and subscribe to the RSS feed on F-A-I-F dot U-S. <laughs>